0: No is necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for
2: details.
1: I'm a traveling man. Made a lot
0: of stuff. All over the world. And in every port, I own the heart of at least one lovely girl. Good evening and welcome to the 441st episode of Travel Radio. Radio. I'm your host, Dan Schlossberg, along with my friend and co-host, Mary Ellen Nugent-Lee, and this is the 11th season of Travel it Radio, the show that lets you enjoy the pleasures of travel from the comfort of your armchair.
1: Every week at this time, we talk to people representing destinations, hotels, airlines, railroads, car rental companies, and others in the world of travel and hospitality, from authors and bloggers to broadcasters and publicists. If it's got anything to do with travel, it's got everything to do with Travel Itch Radio.
0: And tonight we are pleased to present Julie Holman, Vice President of Membership Engagement for Destinations International. Welcome, Julie, to Travel Itch Radio.
2: Very, thank you. It's wonderful to be here.
0: Okay, Julie, for listeners who might not know, Please tell us what Destinations International is and what it does. That's great. Well, Destinations
2: International is the largest association in the world of destination organizations. So we have convention and visitors bureaus, destination marketing organizations, um, the full gamut of people that really focus in on the tourism industry. Um, And our role is to really to provide education, research, advocacy, Um, for the work that they're doing to help them do their jobs more fluidly and excellently.
0: Your title is Vice President of Membership Development. Who are the members of Destinations International?
2: Yeah. So we have um, approximately uh, 600 destination organizations um, that are members of uh, DI, As well as we have about 85 business members. So business members are people that really sort of focus in on on helping our destination organizations do their job better. So things like research companies, advertising agencies, um, you know, those sort of uh, uh, supplier companies that really sort of help our our members excel um, at being the best that they can be. Mm
1: Julie, you have an annual convention. Could you give us a little information, some background on who exhibits and who attends? And is it open to the general public? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really excited to tell you that our annual
2: convention is actually taking place in my hometown up in Toronto, Ontario, Canada this year. Um, Our convention was in Montreal in 2017 and, and really sort of hit some record numbers. So I'm so delighted to be able to not only have everybody in my hometown, but be able to um, show off a little bit more of what Canada has to offer. Our annual convention takes place from July 19th to the 21st, um, and we usually welcome in anywhere between 1,000 to 1,500 people. The kind of uh, level attendees that we have that join us are really um, CEOs or executive directors of a lot of the destination organizations around the world and many of them choose to bring their staff. So we see a lot of their research, their destination development people, um, a lot of the sales or the client services side. Um, really, um, we try and offer education for each track of, of opportunities for, you know, whatever your job is within the destination organization. We have a, an education session to to suit that. And although it's we don't advertise to the general public, Um, We really make a point of of welcoming in not only our members, but non-members as well. They just pay a different fee to be able to attend. Um, And it really is an intriguing time to sort of find out a little bit more about what's going on from a tourism perspective, what's going on from an advocacy of the tourism industry perspective, and again, that education that really helps our members become leading edge at what they do.
1: Can you tell us again when and where the 2022 convention is? Absolutely. Absolutely. Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and it's going on from July 19th to the 21st in
2: 2022.
1: Now, this interview was set up at the IPW 2021 convention in Las Vegas. Is Destinations International represented at similar industry meetings?
2: Yeah, we have a mighty but small team of about 20 people um, and we really try and be in person for as many industry conventions, obviously we want to stay, um, you know, on the leading edge of any kind of education and, and business connections that are going to help our members. But as the Global Trade Association for Convention and Visitors bureaus, um, Destinations International really has some great industry partnerships and we need to be seen um, where our members are. I also think, too, um, we're always on the hunt for new members and it's amazing being in the membership area. Uh, all day, every day. I deal with a lot of associations or a lot of organizations who kind of know who Destinations International is, or they have never heard of Destinations International and sort of stumbled upon us. So being at these industry um, conventions really helps us sort of have a presence and be able to not only see existing members, but also garner new relationships as well. Hmm.
1: Now, We were looking at the Destinations International website, and it says your association provides research and data for destination management. How do you do that?
2: Yeah, so it's funny, actually, because, again, onboarding new members, and we sort of go right into the research and data side, because everybody's hungry for um, that kind of stuff, especially during this pandemic, to really help them do their jobs more fluidly. Um, so we're always introducing um, new, um, new things that uh, our members are asking for. Um, but, um, you know, we have things like um, our community shared value reports that we pull together to really help put themselves on par um, with other services that are provided um, within their, their destination. We want to make sure that people know that they're the keepers of the brand um, of a destination. Um, We have tools such as the destination organization performance report. Um, You know, uh, this time of the year, I get an awful lot of calls just in regards to our compensation and benefits study, Um, you know, with new CEOs or taking on new staff. Everybody's sort of curious as to what, um, where they should be putting their focus on from a a yearly um, uh, goals perspective. Um, we have our Destination Next Future Study, um, and we also partner with a number of, um, of uh, research uh, organizations, um, including Longwoods International, um, and to do things sort of on a sporadic basis. And we're about to launch things uh, our Canadian and U.S. resident sentiment studies, which really gives our destination organizations sort of a snapshot of what their local communities are thinking about the work that they do and the work that. Um, goes into bringing tourists into a destination. Um, but, again, we spend a lot of time talking to our members, and I think they're going to see a lot more work coming out in the future about sustainability, um, the um, uh, diversity um, side. Um, you know, we really, again, it's really those, uh, that connection to our members that really drives a lot of the work that we do in this area.
1: That's very good. We're talking tonight with Julie Holman of Destinations International.
0: Julie, heading into the new year, we'd love to hear your thoughts on what's ahead. We're approaching the second anniversary of COVID-19, and it's still a big problem. So how can the travel industry cope with it?
2: Yeah, I think uh, we all need to get our magic eight balls dusted off. Um, COVID has been an ongoing challenge for our industry, as we all know. Um, But the challenges that we've seen, um, there's still so much hope. Um, we've been so inspired to see how our industry has been collaborating over the past couple of years, and I think as we continue to move into the next normal, we must continue to collaborate and share best practices. One of the real strengths that Destinations International really provides is the online community or the community aspect. Um, you start to see a lot of, um, you know, our CEOs and executive directors talking to each other, what's going on in their areas, what. What new pivots are they learning to do, um, you know, in regards to going after potential new areas of business? You know, we heard a lot about the surge this year of people sort of who never really spent any dollars going after the, the sporting tournaments are now all of a sudden investing into that market. Um, esports has become a really big deal in our industry mm-hmm. over the last little while. Um, you know, and I think that there's been a real resurgence, um, you know, as as there's no um, – No secret, as we talk to a lot of destinations, they've really sort of not done well um, with the cancellations of meetings and events and things like that. But it's incredible to see how many of our other DMO partners have actually pivoted and are having actually record-breaking years by welcoming in um, visitors that are coming in close driving distances. Um, You know, so I think that there's a lot of encouragement to really sort of explore your local area. I know just up here in Toronto, um, I did more... um, Sort of day tripping and um, checking out of little small towns and, and uh, lots of hiking and sort of outdoor activities but I was sort of blessed to be discover a, quite a few small little cottagey towns that um, you know we're able to make our financial dent have lunch in a restaurant um, you know buy some things from the shops um, and really sort of support the tourism side so I think we're going to see a lot more of that this year as well.
1: And what about international travel? Do you expect more or less travel in and out of the U.S.? And if not, um, where are people going?
2: Yeah, well, I think honestly, I think so many people are just so fed up with this pandemic right now. And I think despite the fact that, you know, there's surges in different places and and where everybody's trying to stay abreast of what's happening, I think that really we, um, you know, people are just saying, I'm fully vaccinated, I'm boosted. I, you know, I run the risk of definitely, you know, running into um, COVID, but at the same time, I just really want to get on a plane and go somewhere. Mm, Um, You know, I know a lot of friends that are actually doing a lot of um, sifting through um, brochures and materials and doing a lot of online checking to sort of, you know, come up with their bucket list of when they feel safe to travel, that these are the places that they're going and I think people have found a newfound love of wanting to get on an airplane. It's amazing when the privilege of, of that is taken away from you, how it just becomes you know, a real center point of you know, how they wanna spend their time and energy with their families or friends. So I do think that there's going to be, um, I do think that international travel is going to come back this summer, um, maybe not to where we were seeing it pre-pandemic, um, but I think that um, we will see a return of that.
1: Oh, that's good. We're talking tonight with Julie Holman of Destinations International.
0: Summer is always a peak travel season in this country, and I have little doubt many people shut in by the virus and the weather this spring are already planning summer, summer vacations, as you kind of suggested, Julie. You agree?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Again, that goes back to that revenge travel planning. You know, everybody's got their bucket list, and again, if they're not going on airplanes and going, you know, out of their countries, they're starting to explore their existing countries a little bit more. Uh, it's interesting to see, um, I know in Canada, for example, they actually have put in a um, tax credit um, that to encourage people to travel um, among, uh, across Canada, and I think it works out to about $800 per person or $2,000 for a family of four, Um, So, it's really nice to see the government actually supporting um, some offset of these costs um, to really sort of get Canadians um, back up and and, uh, helping our industry um, turn around.
1: Julie, what will be the hot vacation destinations of 2022? Yeah, you know, it's funny I get asked this question a lot uh, because, of (laughs) course, all
2: these different destinations. um, It's really sort of uh, interesting to, um, you know, kind of hear where people are going. Um, And, again, I think, you know, you look at going back to, um, uh, you know, what a lot of people are doing is exploring a little bit more locally. Um, You know, I think hot vacation destinations are very different in people's bucket list right now. It's going into 2022. Um, You know, and again, going back to sort of exploring more of their own country and maybe places that they wouldn't have ever had on their radar before. But the desire to connect with nature or a desire to sort of, you know, go down a path of history. I think a lot of people have sort of um, done a lot of reading and a lot of like looking on social media um, and sort of finding these new places that they didn't even know about that existed pretty close to them. And I think you're going to start to see a lot of that. Um, you know, people focusing in on, you know, hey, I I I always took it for granted, but I'm going to get on a plane and go to St. John's, Newfoundland this year because I want to see icebergs for the first time in my life. Um, <laughs> so I think it's going to be very different this year. Um, but again, I know, especially in my group of friends, you know, the minute we can get on a plane and go back to places like Italy or Malta or, you know, just some bigger places of the world, I'm totally missing Hawaiian sunsets um, you know, three years of not being able to get on an airplane or two going into year three of not being able to get on an airplane. You know, I definitely want to get back to Maui. It was a place that I I wanted to um, that I truly loved and and you know, kind of not being able to see those sunsets. I need to get back.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. Well, these gray days uh, here in New York, I can tell you <laughs> Hawaii sounds really good. But <laughs> if, if COVID continues, if it's prolonged, how do you think the travel industry and your members will respond? Yeah. So, I mean, it's amazing
2: to see the ebbing and flowing that's gone on in a lot of our uh, partners over the last two years. Our industry is incredibly resilient, um, and we continue to collaborate and work together, um, you know, just to sort of focus in on all the new challenges that COVID brings it is pretty incredible to see, again, how people have really pivoted. Um, you know, I talked earlier about the, you know, organizations are, are destinations that never really paid a lot of attention to sporting um, um, mm. tournaments, and now all of a sudden are hiring sports people to be able to sort of put them on the map. I know an awful lot of people that have done some big investments within their community, sort of like new um, new hotels, new convention centers, Um, you know, new, um, even sort of from a leisure perspective, new, um, you know, um, little day trips and and things like that um, to sort of encourage, um, you know, those local travels to get out and really sort of explore um, our industry. But again, I think Destinations International really sort of provides a forum and a voice and a community where a lot of our, our destination members can actually touch base with each other and find out you know, hey, if we're not an expert on going after a certain um, type of traveler, you know, who is an expert out there and what, what 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 lessons can they share with us? What great feedback can they give us just how we pivot? Um, you know, and this is, although the pandemic has been a long running and I think it's hit the travel industry the most, um, you know, I feel like every few years the travel industry gets hit by something um, mm. that sort of encourages people to get on airplanes and go places. And, you know, everybody says it's going to take us two to three years to come back, and usually within a year, um, you know, things tend to look a little bit more on the normal. So, again, we're just incredibly resilient, and I think as long as we focus on the collaboration aspect, um, I think that our members will come out ahead.
0: You're listening to Travel It Radio with Dan Schlossberg and Mary Ellen Nugent Lee. We're on iTunes, blogtalkradio.com, and Facebook. Check out the archive show at your convenience, and we're talking tonight with Julie Holman of Destinations International. Julie, you have a background in meeting planning. Do you think we'll have more live meetings rather than virtual ones this year?
2: Yeah, so I think that was everybody's hope um, until this Omicron came along. Um, You know, sadly, I talked to an awful lot of destinations, and because of my background in, in the meeting planning side, I know an awful lot of meeting planners You know, certain countries like the United States just keep on going. And and despite the fact that there is a rising number of COVID cases, you know, they still continue to have large events. Whereas from a Canadian perspective, you know, I don't remember the last big large events that we were able to have. But I do think it will come back. I think people have had enough of Zoom, have had enough of the online, um, and are really, like, wanting to get back to being in person. They want to see their buddies, um, you know, Mm -hmm. that they... That annual convention on a yearly basis. They want to see some familiar faces in person. Um, You know, and I think the the meetings industry and and, um, people that are hosting meetings are doing everything in their power to make sure that they're keeping delegates as safe as possible, vaccination mandates or or negative COVID tests to be able to get into certain events, Um, you know, really focusing in on the cleaning aspect. Um, I think, I attended about four or five events um, before the end of the year. And I think at each one of them, I got a little bag with um, you know, additional masks and some hand sanitizer and some Lysol white. Um, mm. And so you know, I think that, um, again, this, the, the resiliency of our industry and, and everybody just pivoting a little bit more just to make sure that we can hopefully get back. But I'll tell you, when I do get into um, the, the events that I did attend, um, I can't tell you how many like hugs and you know, you know, people were truly delighted to be back face to face. And uh, I think there's just, that's going to be the thing that drives us to get back to meeting.
0: In your former work for Destination Toronto, you created the Toronto experience in other destinations and meeting venues. I love Toronto and have been there many times, but please tell us about your Toronto experience.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, working at Destination Toronto was, I think, a career changer for me. It obviously inspired, I always had a love of travel, but I think it inspired me a little bit more to um, really sort of showcase the city that I absolutely love. Um, We worked with our team on a yearly basis to really sort of take what are the best aspects of the city and how do we recreate that when we go around the world? So when we would go to different trade shows around the world, um, you know, you would often see things like um, recreations of the CN Tower done in ice shelters. You know, we would always work with local artisans to really sort of help tell the story of Toronto. And I remember doing cooking classes in New York City and working with a local um, design company who had designed a line of kitchenware. Um, and uh, would we'll talk about how the the, the cup, um, you know, the measuring cups were kind of designed on the whole like loop of the observation deck of the CN Tower, um, you know, or they would sort of pick out, um, you know, some of the cooking tools that they designed were really reflective of the diversity that goes on in our city. And, you know, at the end of this cooking class, everybody got a big gift bag filled with all of these cooking um, utensils that they could kind of take home and use for their own experiences. Um, you know, we worked a lot with celebrities, um, you know, local artisans, uh, Dr. Draw, who's an electric violinist. Um, you know, we really wanted people to sort of feel like they could become connected to the city Um, but they were almost like a local because they'd met in person so many locals and felt like when they actually got to Toronto that they knew all these great secretive spots to to
1: go to. That's fantastic. You know, that secret aspect really makes a difference. (laughs) Now, Julie, you have won several awards and even a place in the Travel Hall of Fame. Would you mind sharing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things that I sort of said to myself very early
2: on in my career is that I was blessed with some really great mentors, and the only way that I could truly serve them and pay things back was to really sort of focus in on doing an awful lot of volunteering in the industry. I spend an awful lot of time mentoring um, young up-and-comers. I do a lot of writing articles for the industry. And so quite a few of the awards that I've won have actually been for serving that. But um, the MNIT Hall of Fame, um, which I was nominated into in 2011, was uh, under the mentorship um, category and really sort of acknowledged uh, the work that I've done in regards to mentoring so many, um, you know, up and comers in Canada. Um, It was fantastic. We got a full photo shoot and uh, because there were quite a few, every year they induct um, about six to eight um, winners in different categories. And it really is sort of a great pride point um, that, you know, that there was such great um, focus on um, from a hospitality industry perspective on the mentorship work that I've done. Oh,
1: well, congratulations. That's wonderful. And do you do a lot of travel in your job with Destinations International? I know you mentioned Hawaii, but we'd love to know your favorite places, the countries, the cities, yeah. the states, airlines, hotels, restaurants, all the secrets.
2: Perfect. Well, I think we need another um, hour, half an hour, um, if not even longer, <laughs> so about all my favorite places. But I am—I uh, do take a lot of advantage. I, one of the lovely things about our industry is we tend to do an awful lot of silent auctions, and I'm usually going for the place that nobody's bidding on because I just like to try new places in, in the world. But I do—I do an annual girls trip down to um, Charleston um, and Kiowa, um that I absolutely mm. love my favorite places in the world again i told you about my love of hawaii um you know there's unique places that i want to t- test out um or try out this year i've heard so much about galveston texas and i've never been there um and i had their ceo reached out for some assistance over the holidays and i thought yeah i'm going to add that into my bucket list i am a true lover of italy everything italian um, i've been over Italy several times and uh, just continue to explore different places and love that Um, and uh, I would like to go back and do even more exploring there. Um, Greece is another place, um, true favorite of mine. Um, You know, I I tend to, my favorite places tend to be around the people that I traveled there with because I think it just brings such fond memories of, um, you know, the times that you had. My father gave me a very um, good tip of advice very early on in my life, I think when I was going on a Butterfield and Robinson trip, and he said, Julie, at the end of the day, Try and take as many pictures as you can on all these trips with the people that you were with in them so that you can always look back and remember where you were at at that point in your life and who was important to you and who you were with. And I have always taken that uh, piece of advice to, uh, to heart, and I try and make sure that if, whether it's posting on social media, whether it's bringing in my own digital camera and taking pictures, that I really sort of am able to capture um, those moments. Um, to share with people or to just have great memories in my heart.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's brilliant. Speaking about
0: personal background, our listeners always like to know more about our guests. So please tell us where you were born, raised, and schooled and how you got into the travel industry and how you landed with Destinations International.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I actually, I feel like I was kind of raised to work in this business. I grew up in London, Ontario, which is about two hours southwest of Toronto and um, lived there until I obviously came to Toronto for college, Um, but my father was a journalist and wrote the food column for the London Free Press for probably, gosh, I wanna say from the time I was about eight years old to the time I was 15. So we went out to eat probably three to four nights a week. So I was very um, introduced to service. I was introduced to travel because London, Ontario was a pretty small town and we exhausted a lot of our um, our, our opportunities with restaurants there pretty quickly. (laughs) We would always pick up and go and review restaurants and other towns that we knew people were going to. Um, And uh, so I just I think I just always knew that I wanted to work in this industry. So came to Toronto, went to Centennial College um, and took the um, hospitality and tourism program and got hired into um, hotels. And I spent the first 14 years of my career really focused in from a hotel perspective And then, interestingly enough, um, I joined the team at Destination Toronto as part of the post-SARS recovery dollars that they were being given to really sort of put Toronto back on the map um, and go after uh, new markets. Um, And uh, and then, after 12 years, just was ready for a change and joined the team at Meeting Professionals International, another uh, U.S.-based association. Um, I was obviously the Canadian, so working with their global audiences um, to be able to um, sell their sponsorship opportunities and education deliveries, and sadly lost my job with the pandemic, Um, and so spent a year kind of focusing on me and reading and doing tons of podcasts and really sort of making myself the best version of myself, and the opportunity came up with Destinations International last year, and I have never looked back. I love the Mm -hmm. team, and I love the work that they're doing. And I love being back in the destination organization space and being able to be an advocate for our members and help them during such a crazy time. Um, But it's also fantastic to be a part of all the successes that are coming from there.
0: Is there anything we haven't asked you that you'd like to add?
2: No, I think that's good. This has been a great conversation. I've been delighted to be able to share a little bit more about Destinations International with your listeners.
0: Well, thank you so much. How do Travel Radio listeners learn more about Destinations International? Is there a website they can find?
2: Yeah, absolutely. They can go on to www.destinationsinternational.org, and um, you can find all of our staff, including me there. And if there's ever anything I can help any, anybody out with, please just click on the link and email me, and I'd be happy to, to connect with you.
0: That sounds great. Our special guest tonight has been Julie Holman, Vice President of Membership Engagement for Destinations International. Thank you for being our guest on Travel Edge Radio.
2: You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute delight.
0: And for us, too. And listeners, just because baseball is involved in a labor dispute that looks like it's never going to end, there's no <laughs> time like the present to curl up with a good book on the good old days when the only strikes occurred between the white lines. So check out my book, The New Baseball Bible, Notes, Nuggets, Lists, and Legends from Our National Pastime. 480 pages for less than a sawbuck. It's both a coffee table book and a bathroom book. Read it backwards (laughs) and still enjoy it. That's The New Baseball Bible with Mike Trout on the cover. Get it tonight on Amazon.com. And that's it for this edition of Travel Witch Radio. Next week, same time, same station, same writer, same announcers, our guest will be G.D. Petiti of San Antonio, Texas. Now, this is Dan Schlossberg, along with my beautiful and talented co-host, Mary Nugent-Lee, saying thank you for your time this time. Until next time, good night and stay safe.